0: If you will, I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to go to the fourth chapter of Genesis. I'm going to be spending some, a little bit of time in Genesis today, and I've got a. am going to go to the Lord, because I want, I want the Lord to speak to you. The Lord has already told me today that someone is going to be healed of some emotional scarring, There's going to be some perceptions changed. There's going to be some thoughts that are going to realign. And I just want everything that would hinder, hinder God from speaking to you today to be laid aside. And so this may be your first time. You may be a founding member of this church. It makes no difference, but I want today, right now, let those distracting thoughts be set aside and let us just focus on what God wants to do today. Father, we love you and Lord, we need you today. And I pray that you will arrest every heart and that Lord, every distraction would be stopped. And that Lord, those that are in this house today would hear Lord God the thundering, Lord God of your voice, that they would hear your love today. And that Lord God they would hear what the what the blood is saying to them. Lord, we ask in your name that your will be done. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Want you look here as we continue the thought that we started last week, and that is simply this: the blood still speaks. The blood still speaks. Now in Hebrews, the eleventh chapter, in the fourth verse. It says, "By faith, I want you to notice that Hebrews 11, 4. by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, and, and though, and through it, he being dead still speaks." God, testifying of His gifts, and through it, through the gift, he being dead still speaks. Now let's look at Genesis, the fourth chapter, with, beginning in the first verse. Abram had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain, and said, "I have begotten a man, I have begotten a, a man with the help of the Lord, and then she gave birth again to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flocks and of their fat portions. And the Lord respected, he had respect for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he did not have respect. Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to dominate you, but you must rule over it. Cain told Abel to his brother, and it came to pass And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Then he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. But then if you went over and continue our study and you look at Hebrews, the 12th chapter there, and you write that down in your notes, you will see that there is a mediator of the new covenant, the blood of the sprinkling, that speaks of better things than that of Abel. So what we see here is that in the course of beginning of time, man had fallen through disobedience to the known will of God by partaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil now humanity was created perfectly innocent perfectly innocent then eve was beguiled of the serpent and she gave to her her husband adam and they partook of the forbidden fruit the the it, it's not apples so many times we depict the forbidden fruit of apples. Some of you love apples and feel condemnation because you like apples. Apples were not, the, were not the forbidden fruit. We always put that as a symbol. But there was a partaking. And see, sin is sin is disobedience to the known will of God. And it's a result of that act now... All of humanity are born into a world of sin. They're born into a world of sin. And here we see after sin had started in one generation, the very next chapter, however many years later, the offspring resulted in death. One brother rose up against the other brother and killed him. Four people, as far as we know, were on the earth. And now a fourth of humanity has been wiped out because Cain killed his brother. As we see this, what we we begin to see is that when the Lord came and he said, Cain, where's your brother? Cain and his arrogance... His disdain for his brother he said i'm not am I my brother's keeper? Let me inform you, Church of the living God, let me inform you, brother and sister in Christ, you are your brother's keeper we're responsible for one another we are responsible to now don't cast your burdens on me and then and, and then expect me to carry your load. that's not what we're saying, but let me say to you, we're in this thing together we're not islands to ourselves we we, we are here as called to be a part of a, of, of a greater work than just ourselves. We're called to be a part of the community of believers, common unity in Christ. But here is Cain, and the Bible says that Abel, by faith and faith alone, offered a better sacrifice than that of Cain. See, because Cain just gave something to the Lord. But Abel understood the exchange. He gave the first, which represents the best, because he understood that God put him first and gave him the best. Why do we tithe? Why do we give the first of our increase? We do that because we emulate the living God. We emulate God. Let me tell you, this is not a tithing message, this is the blood message, but let me tell you that we if you can't give of your tithe, that's the very foundation of, of the simplest act that we can do of faith. We give God the tithe because he has given to us. We do that because we trust him. And it doesn't matter our economic situation. What matters, do we have faith to offer God a sacrifice or are we giving him leftovers? I don't know who that's for, but take hold of it. It wasn't in my notes. That's all free. But what we see here is that there is a blood sacrifice if Abel's blood can be heard in heaven from earth's side. The Lord shows us in Hebrews that there was a blood sacrifice was greater than that of Abel's. And one translation says that Abel's blood cries out for vengeance, whereas the blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. See, Abel's life was taken not because of his will, but because of the will of his brother rose up against him and killed him. Now vengeance is being cried out from that blood. But when Jesus came, understand, he was not a victim. He came and willingly, he said, my father has given me this authority to lay down my life and to bring it up again. And he did that in order that you and I may have the liberty so that we can hear The blood of Jesus Christ echoing through all of eternity. You are free. You are free. You are free. You're free from sin. You're free from Satan. And you have been free to overcome yourself. Last week, we started this series, The Blood Still Speaks. And I hope and pray that some measure of that got into your heart. But I, I want you to know that without the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we could not stand here today. We could not exist as a church. We would have no hope of any eternity with God without that blood sacrifice. There is no life outside of the blood. It took his blood and his sacrifice, his pure blood, his sacrifice for you and I to have eternal life. Now, I won't take time to read it, but let me encourage you to read Genesis, the third chapter. Read all of it. You can read it today. Don't start yet. But what happened... The day that Adam and Eve were in the garden, there's a single tree, knowledge of good and evil, sitting in the garden, and there's also the tree of life, and there's all the goodness of God everywhere, everywhere, there's the goodness of God. It hasn't rained yet. Because the, the earth is now, it, it waters the vegetation because there's a moisture that comes up out of, out of the ground that man doesn't have to, doesn't have to sow. Uh, they just go out and they partake of the fruit because it just freely gives. There's no such things as thorns anymore. Or at that time, there was no thorns. Uh, there was no weeds. There was no Johnson grass. I'm sorry for those Johnsons that created that grass. But man, you know what Johnson grass is? It's got a root that just goes all the way down to to the other side of the world. It's like, if you've ever pulled out Johnson grass, you're like, I'll never forget this mess. Bull nettles. Anybody ever encounter bull nettles? Whew. If you hadn't, you don't want to. Those <laughs> things will bite you. I told my cousin, we were hauling watermelons one day, and he's older than me and is always always in competition, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, Jay, don't touch that bull nettle. Oh, it ain't going to hurt me. He got into that. I'm telling you, I've never seen a, a teenager cry as much as he did that day. I said, I told you to leave it alone. Stay away from it. Anyway, side note, Jay, if you're listening, I'm sorry for using it for example. But there wasn't any such thing as thorns. You could just—you take seed, throw it on the ground. I would imagine it just—just just, it would just come up and it would produce. You didn't have to weed it because there wasn't any such thing as a weed. was not that beautiful? But there was one tree, one. Oh, we serve a cruel God. That's what the world wants to tell you. But there was just one tree. You can have everything out here, but don't touch that. God, give us a choice. Because the Lord wasn't interested in inanimate objects or those that were drones or those that that just live and, and, and they had these robotic moments. He wanted a relationship. And unless there's a choice, there's not a real relationship. Let me just say this. When it comes to the fictitious world of pornography, Men and women alike, let me tell you, that is not a relationship. That is a, those women and those men are subject to those that are in that, that are trapped in that trade, they are victims. And you're only taking from them and feeding and fueling that industry because uh, there is a one-sided relationship that's no relationship at all. Those lives are, are been destroyed as a result of that lust and that need. Here, God did not want a one sided relationship, He gave man choice and He created man perfectly innocent. You have dominion over all of the earth, Adam and Eve. You have the the authority over all of the earth. But the only way to have authority is you've got to be under authority. If you're not under authority, you don't have any authority. But Yet Adam and Eve chose rather as they were beguiled by the enemy. They knew the will, but they chose rather not to obey the will of God. And a result of that, they ran and hid from the presence of the Lord. And let me say, there's a lot of reason why folks don't come to church, and I'm not the main per- reason. I'm not the main reason people don't go to church. I may be a part of that. They may not agree with the doctrine, the presentation, the theology. They may not agree with that. But let me tell you why folks... Do not tune in and follow after God. Men love darkness rather than light, lest their deeds be made known. Because what's going to happen, church, if we keep pursuing God, Greenville, Texas, if we keep pursuing God, you know what's going to happen? We're going to find the Lord. And the Lord is going to use the church to do what he wants to do. So let me say to you, the danger in going to church and pursuing God is God will be found. They refused to obey as a result of that, see there, you're a triune being. You have three parts, three aspects of your being. Your spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, as God created us in perfection and in innocence, our spirit is connected to God. Now, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. It's our personality. It's it's, it's, it's who we are. And we are given a body. Some people say, I'm with you in spirit. No, you're not. (laughs) I understand what you're saying, but don't be sending your spirit over here unless you've got a body attached to it. We've been trying to cast those spirits out of here. You know why the devil is after you and wants to possess your thoughts and even wants to come into an unregenerated soul and to occupy? Because he knows in church because the devil can't. Why do we shout? And where's the power in the shout? It's because we have a voice that we can shout before the Lord, the voice of triumph. Amen? So what happened when they partook of the fruit they should have left, what happened now is their spirit man, their God-connectedness was disconnected. Didn't cease to exist, it just was disconnected. Thus, becoming spiritually dead. What does it mean to be dead? It means to be cut off from your environment. You're just, you're no longer connected. You can't communicate. And what happened is now, instead of being a spirit led beings, we became a solical people a century led people and thus we were flawed in our emotions we are flawed in our will we are flawed in our in our minds I, I can recall the time that I truly surrendered to the will of God I preach it this way because I couldn't find a any other avenue by which to receive salvation as a child i went to the altar and i said the sinner's prayer and i went out And a short while later i started living just like i was living and it wasn't until i was laying in bed one night that i came to the overwhelming conviction of the holy spirit and in that overwhelming conviction of the holy spirit i prayed this prayer God, either save me or kill me, but, Lord, I can't stay the way that I am. And I asked God to be my Lord. I said, I surrender my whole life, my past, my present, and my future. I will not return through your help. I need you this moment. And I said, Almighty oh, God, be my God, be my Lord, be my Savior. And in that moment of surrender, surrender to God. He transformed me into a new creature. I was what you would call born again. I was born in the flesh because we all are here today. We have been born in the flesh. But as the Lord told Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You're not going to enter into your mother's womb, but you will be born by the spirit. Spirit of God, your dead spirit disconnected with the the source of life, with the source of God himself through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You now can come alive in Jesus, and you're going to be a brand new creature. You're not going to walk like you used to walk. You're not going to talk like you used to talk. You're not going to behave like you used to behave. You are going to be different because the difference has taken place in here. I would have expected a shout there on that one, but thank you. Thank you for your charity. But See, this is what we have to know. When Jesus Christ came, his blood was shed because the life is in the blood. And his work was complete. Was total. When he died upon the cross, he died for, for all of us. But what we see in the places and where he bled was just builds to the portrait of what he has done for you and I. So as we talk about the blood speaking, we started out last week and we talked about how that Adam and Eve left the garden of Eden, shouldered with the shame and the guilt of their sin. And they passed it on to all humanity. And so we inherently come out of the womb and we enter into a life and a world filled with sin. And until we come to the knowledge of Christ and we accept him as Lord and Savior, our sin is on us. We carry it. The shame, the guilt, the regret, the remorse, the the pain, all of that. Everything that we have done, it rests upon our shoulders until the blood of Jesus Christ. And by his stripes, we have been healed. Whenever the, the whips came out and struck across his back and the blood was shed, it's a portrait for you and I. That when Jesus Christ said, All you that labor and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. And then we started out last week as we were discussing the fact that in the garden, what was not afforded to man to the fullness, Jesus began to show us a portrait of how that he resisted his will resisted his will to the point Jesus had a choice that day and he chose rather to give himself over to the will of the father he was facing a tree as well just like the first adam and there was, a, there was a tree that was there in the garden that produced fruit. And it was the dead tree that he would be nailed upon in just a short few hours that didn't seem to have any fruit because it was dead. But in the death of the seed of Jesus Christ, now we have fruit that comes forth and it continues and it continues. But what we found in the garden is that when Jesus... Resisted his will, blood began to come out of every pore of his body. Thus declaring to you and I that through the shed blood of the lamb, we now have the authority over our own will. So as children of God, you cannot say that the devil made me do it. Unless you're a child of the devil because if the devil made you do it then you're not a born-again child of God and you're not living in the fullness that God has called you to but see what you discover is that the, the flaw in man that he's totally overdeveloped in the area of his mind, his will, and his emotions, and he now is living according to what? Shouldering the burden, living according to his own reasoning skills, and walking in this life. I'm trying to make it. How are you doing today, Oh, I'm just trying to make it. I want you more than just trying to make it. I want you to discover how much Jesus Christ loves you and discover the power that has been given to you that now you can be governed by the Spirit of God and not according to what the world tells you, not according to what the liberal media tells you, that you put more hope in Jesus Christ than you do anything else. Now, as I looked at this, Began to see when the soldiers came and they mocked Jesus. And they took this crown that they made out of these thorns. The perfect Adam was not subject to the thorns until he sinned. Thorns are a result of the curse upon the earth as a result of sin. The second Adam, the last Adam, perfect Adam, was there and now... They're going to take the curse of the ground that came as a result of nothing that he had done but everything that man had done. And now they're going, to, they're going to create a crown, be the only crown that Jesus physically wore while he was on earth. And they're going to crown the king of kings, the creator of the heavens and the earth. They're going to take the curse from the ground and they're going to plate it upon his head. that when the blood began to pour down his face all of a sudden now in the garden my will was empowered by the blood and the blood tells me I have power over my own choices but not only power over my own choices now my mind has been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm not subject to the self hatred voices anymore I don't have to listen to the guilt the shame and the play the blame game now I Understand that I am free. I am free. I am free. And I can bring every thought into captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the enemy comes in, and maybe he comes in like a flood, God raises the standard of the cross and says, No, you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to live in that self-destructive behavior. You don't have to listen to it. You have been bought with a price, church. There are those of you that are children of God, but you don't have this revelation. You live in a world drowning in your own thoughts. We could remove every person out of your life. We could remove Satan out of your life, and you would continue in a self-destructive behavior, listening to the lies of the past, separating yourself from community. You would live in a place, and you would stab and cut out your own heart, declaring I'm free while you're trying to bludgeon yourself with your own thoughts. I say to you, Jesus Christ loves you. How do I know that? Because I look at the emblem. I see because of blood. I can hear. It is still reverberating through all of eternity. You are free. You have a will. Your will has been empowered. You're not subject to your thoughts. You're not subject to the words that keep declaring to you that you're no good, that you're worthless, that you're no good. Because Jesus Christ Wore that crown of thorns, so you could have authority over your own thoughts. What is your soul? What is housed in your soul? Your mind, and your will, and your emotions. There are two other places there. Before we get, as we delve into the emotional side of that. We got five minutes and I need about 15. Is that all right? I may take 20, but just letting you know. The Roman soldier took the spear. Jesus made this declaration. It is finished. and He yielded himself up to the Father. As the perfect sacrifice for sin. It is finished. And the Lamb of God. Who was spit upon. Beaten. Paid the price. For all of us. The Roman soldier. Took the spear. Shoved it into the side of Christ, not breaking any bones, no bone of the lamb was broken, letting everyone know that God never intended for one person to be broken from his body. Drove the spear through his side, and the the Bible says that water and blood sprang forth. What that tells us is each one of us have a wall of water around our heart. And when that spear went through, it pierced the water and the blood, so we know that his heart was pierced. In the seat of the heart and we, we refer to that a uh, 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 part of a person that that's an emotional seat it's where our, our seat of our emotions keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life so in the garden we see that, that Jesus bled and now we have power over our will We see that they plated the crown of thorns upon his head, and now we have authority over our thoughts. But praise be to God, when the blood began to pour out, I have authority over my emotions. (laughs) My emotions don't drive me anymore. My emotions are not what dictates what I'm going to do in the day. There are some mornings where you may not feel like worshiping God, but let me tell you don't trust in your emotions. Trust in what you know and who you know and who lives on the inside of you and just worship the Lord anyway. Your emotions will catch up, but you're not driven by your emotions. Sometimes we explode. Mushroom cloud over ahead. What happened? Oh, so and so. They just exploded. Their emotions just got out of whack. The fuse was lit. Granted, the fuse is about that long, but anyway, the fuse was lit. It happens to us all. Even if you've got long fuses, sometimes that fire just keeps going. <laughs> Let me just give you a little little word of wisdom. It's a whole lot easier to hold together than trying to put things back together after you explode. This is not a slam on anybody. There's no one can do anything without Christ, amen? But a lot of times that emotion and that wheel and those thoughts are connected to something else. And that something else is that emotional injury. The emotional injury. That internal thing that nobody knows about. The thing that happened to you in private that has something attached to your well-being. If you've ever suffered abuse, you know what I'm talking about. That abuse filters into your thought life. It it, it filters into the way you behave. It filters into the way you respond. It filters into whether or not you let people in or you keep people out. And even your own failures can cause such an emotional injury inside of you that you're so afraid to try again. You're so afraid to wade into the waters again. But I'm here to say to you that Jesus Christ died, but before he died he bled and when he bled the Bible says that he was bruised because of our iniquities because of the sin that filtrates through our bodies and the sin that filtrates through our mind and our emotions that bruise is an inter- internal injury what is emotional injuries is it none other than an internal Wound that is not visible, and we have given ourselves passes. I don't have to do that because I've, I was hurt. I don't have to do that because I was injured. I don't have to do that because I was I was abused. I don't have to give emotionally because you know. Things happen, but the blood bears witness on earth, declares to you that you have been healed, you are free to let Jesus be Jesus in you. You are not who you're the voices of your past tell you you are. And yes, you might have been hurt. Yes, you might have struck out. But there is just too late of an inning not to be swinging when church, you're standing at the batter's box and the pitch is being thrown. At a life lesson taught to me as a child, my little league coach put us up there and said, Sanders, I do not care if you strike out. But don't come to this dugout if you don't swing because you'll never hit a ball that you don't swing at. Some of you are standing at the batter's box and you have the greatest opportunity that's ever been afforded to you. But you're like, I'm scared. What are you scared of? I'm scared of of the virus. I'm scared of of my shadow. I'm scared of everything. I need to hunker down. I'm there. I'm there. I I, I haven't got the bat off my shoulder, but I'm holding the bat. I'm standing at the plate. Track one. Oh, I'm standing at the plate. Track two. Let, Let me tell you, what? Even if you're going to bunt. Put the bat out there. <laughs> Just stick it out there. You might accidentally hit something. Yeah. See, that's the, devil. that's the way the devil deals with us. But my coach, he would count out the number of strikes that we did not swing at. And usually right after the game, if we got struck out, we would have to run laps. We took first place that year undefeated. In fact, no one could touch us. Why? Because we were so well conditioned. You miss a grounder, you run a lap. You miss a fly ball, you run a lap. You don't swing at the ball, you run a lap. Life lessons amen, it caused us to be in such great condition, nobody could touch us, and half our team went to the All-Stars. Oh, it's a little league, but yeah, this is life. Churchyard, we're there at the home plate. I believe it's time for a Grand Slam or at least a butt and run it out and get to first. There's a host of people that are in this house today that you wouldn't even know that they've been through the fire because they don't even smell like smoke. They went through the emotional furnace that the enemy had created, and they found Jesus in there. And they walked out on the other side, and they're free. They don't act like they're bound because they're not bound. Now, sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. I understand those kind of concepts. You keep fleshing it out, walking in faith, walking in faith. But there comes a point in time where you gotta know that you're free. And you know you're free because it's not just the door that's open, the cage has been torn down and there's no more foundation for the prison. I don't share my story because I want to pull your heartstrings. I share my story so that we could have a, a common understanding that that hey, maybe somebody knows where you're at and what you've gone through. And let me say to you that there's no one perfect, but the perfect one lives inside of the heart of the church. And it's not that each one of us cannot stumble or fall or fall into emotional wreck and those types of things. But let me say to you, once you get up from the bottom of the hill, you got to know that the blood was shed and that you are healed. And Jesus took on that emotional injury so that you could be emotionally whole. Now, believe it or not, I'm going to close. But now, we're not dominated by our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. As children of God, we should be led by the Spirit. He should be the dominant force. And he will allow us to have emotions that are healthy and thoughts that are healthy. And he will encourage our will. He won't make our choices for us, but he'll empower your will to make good choices so that you can have a good harvest and a good offspring and a good yield. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, name that is above every name. There are those that are in this house today and they need to hear the voice of the blood declaring to them that they don't have to live with those thoughts of shame anymore. They don't have to live, Lord God, on the edge of their emotions. Lord, we come before you today and we declare we can't fix ourselves. We cannot fix ourselves. We need you. Here's what I want you to get away from. This is the worship team is making their way up. When Jesus said, all you who labor and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. He was speaking to an audience that had a greater understanding than we do in the church. See, because the, the Pharisees and the religious world had placed such stringent expectations. And let me just go back as far to say there was a law that was to lead us to Christ. Christ. The law was not bad, the law is good. But the law was to bring us to a place where we realize we, we can't do it. There's not enough self-improvement in the world. There's not enough, I believe in counselors. We have professional counselors in here and, and I believe that there's safety in the multitude of counsel. And I, I believe in counsel, but but those, counsel, those counselors that are here today, they're spirit-filled, and they'll tell you that they can give you knowledge, but God has to give revelation. So there's a, there's, there's a progression where you get to where you're just like, I, the law is good, but see, the Pharisees... They, they, they took the law and said, okay, I'm righteous and you're not, and so I'm better and you're bad, and this is the way it is. And and so they they, they pointed at everybody else. But see, the, the problem was there's no one, no human being outside of Christ that could fulfill every jot and tittle. That means every T had to be crossed, every I had to be dotted. Otherwise, uh, those persons trying to live by their own merit, they would be judged according to everything that was in the law. It's absolutely eternally impossible that's why Christ had to come and let me say to you, if you have to have a law to make you right you're not right let me say that again if you have to have a rule to make you right then you are not right I don't need rules to tell me how to love my wife, I just love her she didn't have to have a set of rules to know how to love me she just loves me We don't have a laundry list of you did this and I did that and you did this and it's not fair and that's not right. If you're living like that, you're not operating in love. If you're trying to rule your relationships through rules, then you are not right. You're not gonna find a lot of legislation here. What you are gonna find when you come to this house is that Jesus Christ, when you enter into his love, you don't need a bunch of rules. You don't have to tell people how to treat other people. It just happens. there was the law to lead us to Christ there's not enough self-improvement in the world to give you the fulfillment and the peace and to control your emotions and some of you are so tired today of just trying to keep it together that when Jesus said those of you that are trying to live according to your own merit just come to me take off that yoke of self-improvement and put on a yoke guidance of the Holy Spirit and I'll give you rest I'll give you rest I want you to stand in this, this building today I hope in somehow some way the Holy Spirit has taken and reached into your seat of your knowledge and just opened up to you realization of Christ I'm just asking for those that are labored heavy laden you've got this this weight love what Andrea used today the thought of carrying this religious rights and rules around and just getting so tired switching hands and saying oh it's just you're not subject to all those rules and regulations. Now you're footloose and fancy free, and you don't have to do anything righteous and holy anymore. It's just exchanging one burden for the other because you can't stay in sin and be free. Freedom only comes by the blood of the Lamb and saying, God, I receive your sacrifice. Lord Jesus, set me free. I believe today that there's someone in this house, and it doesn't matter if it's just one, but I believe there's more than one. You need emotional healing today. I want you to come. I want you to come. I just want you to come, and I want you to, you can kneel if you're able. You can come and just lift your hands and surrender and just say, God, I want to be free. I hear the blood, and the blood tells me I'm free.